Blog Talk Radio. I'm here. Hey, yeah. <laughs> how you doing? All right. Yeah. How are you guys doing? And, uh, You're doing great. Good. You're that guy. Yeah, we doing. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd. Uh, God darn it, keep the last name because not Lloyd Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Lloyd. There you go. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah, we got Lloyd Butler. Everything's good. Good. Hey, Lloyd. Everything's good. Everything's good. Huh? Sorry. Oh, said hey. Yeah, there we go. It's all good. So it's we all got good. lots of over. Gentlemen, gentlemen, and ladies, how you doing? We're doing great. How are you doing? What about yourself? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you, brother. You know, you know when when you when you introduce me, I'm going to do something for sixty seconds before you go to your thing. I'm not telling Uh-oh. you anything. I mean, it's not funny, Uh-oh. but. And, and, and then I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a little bit of a. I'm gonna do it. Don't say oh oh. Don't say oh. I'm gonna do a little bit of a rant, and then I'm gonna get back into uh, get back into the fold. So I mean, when we go on, oh, we already on. I'm, as on. long as you want to do me, I'm gonna do my thing. Go ahead, do your thing. Huh? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. We're waiting. We're waiting. We on the air? Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> we all are. right. All right. All right. All right. Good. I want everybody. Within the sound of my voice, if you know Amanda, you there in London, if you know um, Cornell, and you here on the East Coast, or me, or Andy and his family, friends, family, extended family, if you in the bar, if you in the church, if you on the street, if you laying in the street in the rain, and you got a needle in your arm, I want you to listen for me for a minute, Okay. This ain't funny. I'm being real. You feel like you want to laugh, but um, I can't say anything. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to do in this time of corona. I wouldn't know what to tell you to do in this time of riot. I don't know what to tell you to do if your neighbor's not wearing a mask and he's spreading germs on your ass and you just smack the shit out. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you about fact. I can't tell you about Antifa. I can't tell you about Trump, Pence, Biden, Camilla, anybody's wife your neighbor, whatever the deal is. But here's one thing that I can tell you. Here's one thing that you can do. I want everybody, I need for you to get mad. Stop all this stuff. Everything that's going around, if you listen to my voice, tell your neighbor to turn me on right now. Even with the Andy Kimmel and Lloyd Booker show. Andy Kimmel, Lloyd Booker. That's for you, Cornell. Coast to coast, Ebony and Ivory. I need for everybody on this planet to stop and get mad. I want you to go to your neighbor. I want you to knock on the door. I want you to go to your pastor, your rabbi, your priest. Look in the mirror. Even go to yourself. Drop that bottle of liquor down at that, that, that bar. I see you in there. Get up off that woman you getting laid with. I see you in there. Get up off that man you sitting there with that other man. I ain't telling you don't love one another. I'm telling you, you got to get mad. You got to, I want everybody to get on the system, email this show. I don't care who you are. You could be a dog. You could be from Mars, visiting this place, wherever yeah. you is. 
Those of you that are down there right now feeling the wrath of this hurricane, those of you that have been burned out on the West Coast, I want you to get mad. I want you to go to your windows. I want you to raise the windows. I want you to tell Pence, tell Biden, tell Kamala, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not taking this anymore. Taking it anymore. Yeah. I'm not Democrat as mayor. New York City, once described as America's crime capital, had become, by the mid-1990s, America's safest large city. Now today, my city is in shock. Murders, shootings, and violent crime are increasing at percentages unheard of in the past. We're seeing the return of rioting and looting. During riots, this Democrat mayor like others, has often prevented the police from making arrests. And even when arrests are made, liberal progressive DAs release the rioters so as not to disrupt the rioting. New Yorkers wonder, how did we get overwhelmed by crime so quickly and decline so fast? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Don't let Democrats do to America what they have done to New York. Again, the Democrats are urging you to vote for an obviously defective candidate. Biden has changed his principles so often, he no longer has any principles. He's a Trojan horse with Bernie, AOC, Pelosi, Black Lives Matter, and his party's entire left wing just waiting to execute their pro-criminal, anti-police, socialist policies. The whole unprecedented wave of lawlessness began with a truly just cause, the unforgivable police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Peaceful protests began all over the land. The condemnation of the killing was universal from President Trump to Democrat leaders. 
It seemed, for a few brief shining moments, Democrat and Republican leaders would come together with a unified proposal to reduce police misconduct. This possibility was very dangerous to the left. They had a president to beat and a country to destroy. And although an agreement on action against police brutality would be very valuable for the country, it would also make President Trump appear to be an effective leader. They could have none of that. So Black Lives Matter and Antifa sprang into action, and in a flash, they hijacked the peaceful protest into vicious, brutal riots. Soon protests turned into riots in many other American cities, almost all Democrat. Businesses were burned and crushed, people beaten, shot and killed, police officers routinely assaulted, badly beaten, and occasionally murdered, and the police handcuffed by progressive Democrat mayors from doing anything but observe the crimes and absorb the blows. But the worst of it was the slaughter of innocent young people with their whole lives ahead of them. The murder of four-year-old Grand Talfero in Kansas City shocked the nation, but not Black Lives Matter or their many Democrat supporters. 17-year-old basketball star Brandon Hendricks was killed in the Bronx just days after graduating high school and on his way to St. John's to play basketball. He passed with only a brief mention. One-year-old Davil Gardner Jr. was shot and killed in a stroller at a cookout in Brooklyn, and it caused no outrage. For President Trump and for us Republicans, all black lives matter. And the lives of LeGrand and Brandon Davil matter to us. All lives matter to us. These continuous riots in democratic cities gives you a good view of the future under Biden. All five of the top cities for homicides, like the top cities for rioting and looting, are governed by progressive Democrats. Using the progressive Democrat approach to crime, which is to do nothing, substantive to reduce it, to release prisoners Sorry. as many and as soon as possible, and to go to war with the police, the only group with the capability to protect your citizens. Sorry. It is clear that a vote for Biden and the Democrats creates the risk that you will bring this lawlessness to your city, to your town, to your suburb. There is no question that this awesome job of restoring safety for our people cannot be done from your basement, Joe. Sorry about that. There's also no question that President Trump will fight with all his strength to preserve the American system of government and our way of life. In critical times in our history, America has always been blessed with the right person to handle the crisis. Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt, Reagan were perfect for the challenges they faced and brought our nation through gloriously. President Trump, with his boundless love of our country and all our people, his disciplined work ethic, 
his exceptional ability to inspire, and his deep understanding of our system of government and the strength of American values is the man we can trust to preserve and even improve our way of life. Mr. President, make our nation safe again. contradict each other um, lost my train of thought the, no you're saying enough you're saying enough by even being exasperated because it makes me tired yeah I mean as somebody who likes to try and sit on the fence to try and gain a perspective of everything for me I find in this battle overwhelming it's like uh Trump and his party and making Joe Biden to be some sort of devil incarnate and um, you know Joe Biden's trying to be the people's person and Trump's side of things is producing the fear and everything's a war and that's yeah. the way it's coming across everybody's everything is a war 
And I can understand that when there's a huge emotional and um, a security thing in place where this is the most important move in history. Okay, I get that. But at the same time, fear-mongering can sometimes turn on you. It can come back at you. So I think they need to be... Well, it's too late now. They did need to be careful. And I'd be interested to see where this goes with Joe Biden. It, it is. You know, the, the most recent... Wholeheartedly agree. There's been a... Uh, Amen. A, there's been a significant tightening um, of, the, uh, of the polls. Uh, about... It was 10 to 12 percent or 9 to 12 percent. Do me a favor, Andy. Hold on a yeah. second. Andy, do me a favor. Get closer. Just a tad closer. Okay, get closer to the mic, Andy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just a little better. A little better. Little yeah, better. It's, a little, it's a little better. Yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, yeah. Anyway, what I was saying was the polls have tightened up significantly between the two candidates that again the RNC See, did I knew get more going to happen. Yeah. Well, we knew it was predicted. Yeah, the RNC did get more of a bump than the uh, DNC did. Um, but that really, you know, we'll have to see. Again, you got to remember that in, in 2016, just look at Michigan alone. Uh, two votes per precinct. I mean, it was remarkable. It was very, very close. I think we're yeah. going to start seeing these both candidates vying for that for that, that state of Florida. I think uh, which is Trump's <clears> made <throat> his hometown. Yeah. Pay taxes down there, but uh, you know, Florida is going to be and as is Michigan, as is Pennsylvania, where you guys are. Pennsylvania is going to be crucially important. Uh, and we'll see where you want know, we'll to see where that where that goes. Good evening. Before I begin, entrepreneur, an outsider, and the people's nominee for President of the United States. Tonight, I stand before you as the proud daughter of the people's president. He is our commander-in-chief, champion of the American worker, defender of common sense and our voice for the forgotten men and women of this country. He is our president and my father, Donald J. Trump. This evening, I want to tell you about the leader I know and the moments I wish every American could see. I want to tell you the story of a president who is fighting for you from dawn to midnight 
when the cameras have left, the microphones are off, and the decisions really count. When Jared and I moved with our three young children to Washington, we didn't exactly know what we were in for, but our kids, our kids loved it from the start. My son, Joseph, promptly built Grandpa on Labor Day. Quick, quick here, show world leaders just so they know he has the greatest grandchildren on earth. I agree. <laughs> Over the last four years, we've learned a lot. I've seen in Washington it's easy for politicians to survive if they silence their convictions and skip the hard fights. I couldn't believe so many politicians actually prefer to complain about a problem rather than fix it. I was shocked to see people leave major challenges unsolved so they can blame the other side, campaign on the same issue in the next election. But Donald Trump did not come to Washington to win praise from the Beltway elites. Donald Trump came to Washington for one reason and one reason alone, to make America great again. My father has strong convictions. He knows what he believes, and he says what he thinks. Whether you agree with him or not, you always know where he stands. I recognize that my dad's communication style is not to everyone's taste, and I know that his tweets can feel a bit unfiltered, but the results, the results speak for themselves. He is so unapologetic about his beliefs that he has caused me and countless Americans to take a hard look at our own convictions and ask ourselves, what do we stand for? What kind of America do we want to leave for our children? I am more certain than ever before we want a future where our kids can believe in American greatness. We want a society where every child can live in a safe community and go to a great school of their choice. We want a culture where differences of opinion and debate are encouraged, not canceled, where law enforcement is respected, where our country's rich diversity is celebrated, and where people of all backgrounds, races, gendered, and creeds have the chance to achieve their God-given potential. This is the future my father is working to build each and every day. Building, after all, is what he's done his whole life. He has admired and befriended construction workers on countless job sites. But it has been a new and profound experience for him and for me to see these stoic machinists and steel workers come to him with a tear in their eye and thank him for being the only person willing to go to the mat for them, for their jobs, for their families, and for their futures. To the hardworking men and women across America and here tonight, you are the reason my father fights with all of his heart and all of his might. You are the reason he ran for president in the first place, and you are the reason he is going to keep fighting for four more years.
one evening in early February of 2018. We were in the Oval Office with my father's top economic advisors, and the President was pushing to keep the promise he made to renegotiate the bad trade deals that had gutted millions of middle-class jobs. Most of his advisors argued that the economy was so strong following our historic tax and regulatory cuts that it didn't make sense to risk rocking the boat. After the meeting, as I walked with my father back towards the residence, he said, you know, the reason this has never been done before is because our leaders haven't had the guts. When the economy is good, they settle for good, and when things are bad, they don't have the will or ability, so they kick the can until it's someone else's problem. He was right. If my father didn't take on these fights, no one would. In the months that followed, President Trump refused to settle for a good deal. He wanted a great deal, and ultimately, that is exactly what we got. I remember each time he was updated on the progress of the new trade deal with Mexico and Canada, he would say, don't let down those dairy farmers I met in Wisconsin. I don't want them to like this deal. I want them to love it. <laughs> Today, in the midst of this unprecedented global pandemic, it's more clear than ever that our president was absolutely correct to take on trade when he did and bring our jobs, our factories, and our life-saving medicines back to the USA. As our nation endures this grave trial, I pray for the families who are mourning the loss of a loved one, for those who are battling COVID-19, and for the first responders and the healthcare heroes who remain on the front line of this fight. The grief, sorrow, and anxiety during this time is felt by all. I've been with my father, and I've seen the pain in his eyes when he receives updates on the lives that have been stolen by this plague. I have witnessed him make some of the most difficult decisions of his life. I sat with him in the Oval Office as he stopped travel to Europe. I watched him take the strongest, most inclusive economy in a lifetime, the lowest unemployment in a half century, and the highest wage increase for working families in decades, and close it down to save American lives. It is why our president rapidly mobilized the full force of government and the private sector to produce ventilators within weeks, to build the most robust testing system in the world, and to develop safe and effective treatments, and very, very soon a vaccine. My father isn't deterred by defeatist thinkers. The word impossible, well, it only motivates him. Donald Trump rejects the cynical notion that this country's greatest achievements are behind us. He believes that nothing is beyond our reach and that the best is yet to come. I have seen all of my life how my dad believes in the potential of each individual. Earlier this evening, we were all inspired by the incredible testimony of Alice Johnson a great-grandmother who was sentenced to life in prison for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. I was with my father when he decided to commute Alice's life sentence. Together we watched Alice leave prison after nearly 22 years. 
As she ran into the arms of her family and they celebrated a joyful reunion, my father got very quiet. I could see the emotion on his face. After a long silence, he looked at me and said, imagine how many people there are just like Alice. From that point on, he became a voice for those who had been unfairly silenced in our prison system. President Trump rectified the disparities of the 1994 Biden crime bill that disproportionately hurt African Americans. Against all odds, he brought together Republicans and Democrats and passed the most significant criminal justice reform of our generation, and we're just getting started. My father did not campaign on this issue. He tackled this injustice because he has a deep compassion for those who have been treated unfairly. More than rhetoric and political prose, the ability to build consensus and achieve bipartisan success will help heal our country's racial inequities and bring us forward together. President Trump is advancing the American values of work and family. Four years ago in Cleveland, I said President Trump would deliver for working women. Last year, over 70% of all new jobs were secured by women. Four years ago, I told you my father would focus on making childcare affordable and accessible. In President Trump's first term, we secured the largest ever increase for childcare funding, giving more than 800,000 low-income families great childcare at a cost they can afford. As part of Republican tax cuts, in 2019 alone, our child tax credit put over $2,000 into the pockets of 40 million American families. Democrat politicians recently introduced a plan to increase the child tax credit. Yet when I was fighting less than three years ago at the president's direction to get Congress to double the child tax credit, not a single Democrat voted to pass the law. We got it done anyway. Four years ago, I promised that President Trump would support mothers in the workforce. In his first year in office, he signed into law the first-ever National Paid Leave Tax Credit. Today, 8 million more Americans have access to this benefit. Four years ago, I said that Americans needed an economy that permits people to rise again. During President Trump's first three years in office, 72% of all new jobs went to Americans who had been outside of the workforce. Four years ago, I told you I would fight alongside my father, and four years later, here I am. Many of the issues my father has championed are not historically Republican priorities. Yet where Washington chooses sides, our president chooses common sense. Where politicians choose party, our president chooses people. Since the day he took the oath of office, I've watched my father take on the failed policies of the past and do what no leader has done before. Recently, he took dramatic 
action to cut the cost of prescription drugs, despite fielding angry calls from the CEOs of nearly every major pharmaceutical company. Now, when we see attack ads paid for by Big Pharma, my dad smiles and says to me, you know, we're doing something really right if they're hitting us so hard. This spring, our president saw that American crops were going to waste because food supply chains were disrupted by the virus. He directed Secretary Purdue and me to find a way to get this nutritious food, fresh fruit, vegetables, meat, and dairy, to families most in need. Within a matter of days, we launched the Farmers to Family Food Box Program, which has now delivered over 100 million meals into the hands of American families. To protect the most vulnerable among us, I've worked alongside the President as he signed into law nine pieces of legislation to combat the evil of human trafficking. I've stood by my father's side at Dover Air Force Base as he's received our fallen heroes, and each time it has steeled his resolve to finally stop, finally stop the endless foreign wars. To change the paradigm in the Middle East, he took a fresh approach. I heard foreign leaders beg him not to move the American embassy to Jerusalem, yet he delivered on a promise also made and unfulfilled by past presidents because my father knew that it was the right thing to do. <laughs> Defying all expectations, just weeks ago, he rewrote history again by making a peace agreement in the Middle East, the biggest breakthrough in a quarter century. For the first time in a long time, we have a president who has called out Washington's hypocrisy and they hate him for it. Dad, people attack you for being unconventional, but I love you for being real and I respect you for being effective. Our president refuses to surrender his beliefs to score point with the political elite. To my father, you are the elite. You are the only people he cares about scoring points with. If these problems were easy to solve, previous presidents would have done so. But you don't achieve different results by doing things the same way. Washington has not changed Donald Trump. Donald Trump has changed Washington. doesn't need another empty vessel who will do whatever the media and the fringe of his party demand. Now more than ever, America needs four more years of a warrior in the White House. Tonight, 
I could not be more proud to introduce my father, a man I know was made for this moment in history. My fellow Americans, our First Lady, and the 45th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. That was Ivanka. That was Ivanka Trump. That was um, Donald Trump's oldest daughter. Um, and let's start with uh, Lloyd. Start with Lloyd again. What do you think? Um, you know what? I'm going to acquiesce right now and relent. Uh, I'm going to let one of the others, in particular, let uh, let Cornell go, and then I'll save my comments for last. But let him go because he didn't get a chance to say nothing the last time. <laughs> Well, my my perspective is this, man, and I want to be honest, sounds good, but to me, it's a political, you know, just political just to keep the job. That's how I look at it. You know, they're going to say a lot of things that people want to hear, so they'll come out, you know, go out and vote for them. And once, basically, they get their votes, things change over. That's my perspective on it. Yeah, I just look at, you know, Trump has been there four years, and has he, has he you know, he's done some things. I'm not going to say he's had there for four years. Well, almost four years, three and a half years. They, they just there. want to keep the job. That's, they want that power. Yeah. They want to keep the job. Yeah, he's, like, we've got to, we got to look at who he is. He's a, he's been an impeached president. It's not like he got excused. He was impeached by Congress uh, for, you know, for, for trying to, uh, Basically, bribe Ukraine, and um, and he was found guilty by Congress. And of course, Captain uh, Obama said it. That's another story. But anyway, uh, his tweets, his lies over ten, or I think it's sixteen thousand lies now that have been verified and actually untruth. And the way he's doing with America, and you look at the, the the tone and the environment of where we are as a country right now. And where does that start? You know, where does it begin? And the attitude at the top is, is where that's where the buck stops. No matter how you slice it or dice it, and he, he's never condemned any any acts of hate, any acts of violence. Uh, he, he calls uh, innocent protesters uh, anarchists and leftists. Um, and have there been some rioters? Now remember, a rioter is not a protester. You know, we have the right, the legal right in this country, to demonstrate and protest. That is our right to do so. And the police will protect the protesters and demonstrators, and they have. But there's also been some Well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you're absolutely right. We have the right. But uh, this is also for Amanda. You do know that in Portland, the, the police actually let and engaged the uh, right wing supremacy group and beaten on the protesters. So are you serious? 99 and three quarters percent of the time, you are exactly right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, what was just. Yeah, so, was that you, Cornell? I said, are you serious? That's crazy. Uh, that's unbelievable, yes, man. No, I, wow. Yes, no, I did. I sent Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I, I sent, you know, when I, I, I'm going to actually put uh, Amanda on this list. I sent Andy and um, Cornell some information uh, a couple of days ago, Amanda, where okay. in Portland, you're yeah, in Portland and in Seattle, 
And, and, and you're right, Andy, because one of the things that actually popped in my mind, and I'm not going to monopolize because I want to answer your question, but he didn't, he did not, and she, acceptance speech, didn't refer to any of the acts of terrorism, that's what they are, any of the acts of terrorism that was dependent on, on, uh, on, on citizens that had the legal right to protest. You're right. Now, this is what I sent to, uh, sent to them, Amanda. Okay. Uh, earlier this week in Portland, what happened last week? Say it again. Um, no, you, you paid in a way, brother. Yeah, you're breaking up, darling. Oh, I'm sorry. How's that? Is that better? That's oh, better, yeah. on. Okay. During uh, a protest in Portland, there was a right-wing, a very, very large right-wing uh, supremacy group that were brandishing bats, sticks, uh, as well as some, some, some guns. And the police stood by and let uh, assault and abuse you're, you're breaking up there, Billy. You're, break, you're breaking up there. You're breaking up there. How's that? Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. That's, that's good. Yeah, what I was saying, what I was saying, Amanda, that yeah. in, the, in the New York Times, there was, I sent a picture of, of protesters that were being abused, beat up, and, and assaulted by yeah. a right-wing group. Yeah, by a right-wing group in Portland. And the cops actually let them. And the cops in the press said to the media, the reporters that we, and you can actually go to this, we weren't going to do anything. We, we let them do what they were doing. And after they let the guys leave, they didn't arrest any of them. And after they let the guys leave, after they let them leave, then they dispersed the protesters and said that the protesters was causing uh, a, 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 a big ruckus. That's one thing. Here's okay. the other thing. Here's the other thing. Actually, I talked to Andy, because Andy told me this. Now, he knew this before I did. The incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the gentleman was shot in the back. Oh, that's right. You might not. You did hear about the guy that was shot in the back seven Jacob times, eight Blake. times. Yeah. Right. Well, the deal is, is that there was a young white man that was driven two states over, came from two states, and he actually killed. Uh, I think either two or three protesters, and wow. they actually, they they actually people protesters actually seen him carrying an AR-15 or AR-17 <clears throat> rifle, pointed him out to the police. Was that the 17-year-old? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, 17. He was a kid. I mean, okay. he is a kid legally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was brought there by his mother. And they did not apprehend him. They did not stop him. They did not arrest him. In fact, what they did was they ushered him, let him leave, and gave him a bottle. The chief of police gave him a bottle of water. What? Uh, Andy, you want to chime in? Is he there? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay, on. hold on. Cornell, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm right here. Sorry, folks. I was, I was doing something else in the tech here. Uh, okay. Yeah, Andy. yeah. Furthermore, Andy. the uh, the police not only uh, gave them order, which they did, uh, yes. they also took a loudspeaker as a Bearcat vehicle was going by on those big police armored vehicles, and they took up the uh, microphone 
goes well to me for and says, thank you for being here. We, we appreciate you being here. She's a 17 year old who just killed two people and learned another. And I'm walking blatantly down the street with the, with the long gun. Yeah, it was an um, AR-15. It was an AR-15. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and then he went back. Now, he's in jail. You know, he's, he's in court this morning. He'll have a hearing. He's brought up on five felony charges. He'll probably spend the rest of his life in jail. But the fact of the matter is that the, the reaction of the, let's call it what it is, the all-white police force, if that were a yeah. black or a man or a, or a Muslim, uh, you know, the guy would have been get shot dead in a heartbeat. Yes, I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do now, guys, is let's go on and hear. Um, we're going to hear. I'm going to do something different. Instead of playing Trump's speech now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some uh, some clips of uh, Dan uh, Dean, who is a fact checker, has a fact checking service, and also is the fact check hardest working newsman in the country for CNN because he has to write so fast that people say things. But let's, okay. what we're going to do is okay. we're going to fact check the speech and then play the speech because what we'll be able to do is when Trump says things, we'll know in advance when he's lying, right? So yep. let's do that now. Okay. Here we go. Uh, clip number one, two, three, clip number four. Here's the fact check of Trump's speech prior to the speech itself. Here we go. Let's do it. This president is a serial liar, and he serially lied tonight. I counted preliminarily more than 20 false or misleading claims. I want to go through a whole bunch of them quickly because I think it's all important. Trump said Joe Biden is, quote, talking about taking down the border wall. Biden has specifically, explicitly rejected that idea. He just said he'll stop further additional construction. Trump claimed, as always, that he is the one who passed the Veterans Choice Law. Barack Obama signed that into law in 2014. Trump signed a 2018 law to modify it. Trump said, I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln. That is ludicrous. Lyndon Johnson, for one, signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Trump again touted a, quote, record 9 million job gain over the past three months. He didn't mention, as usual, that that gain follows a record 22 million job loss over the previous two months. He said he'll, quote, continue to lower drug prices. They've increased during his presidency. He said they opened a Jerusalem embassy for less than 500,000. Early documents show it was at least 21 million. He claimed NATO member spending has increased for the first time in about 20 years. Spending, in fact, rose in 2015 and in 2016 before he took office. He said he will always and Republicans will always strongly protect people with pre-existing conditions. That pledge has already been broken. He and they have repeatedly tried to weaken those protections in Obamacare. He claimed, again, that he banned travel from China and Europe. No, he imposed partial restrictions with many exemptions. Tens of thousands of people continue traveling over. He boasted about the COVID testing system and about his general response. Look, experts near universally say the U.S. was fatally slow in its response, especially slow in setting up adequate testing. He said that he ended what he called a NAFTA nightmare, and he signed a brand-new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA. That agreement preserves, maintains most of NAFTA. He boasted about building about 300 miles of border wall. What he didn't say is that most of that is replacement barrier. As of August 7th, according to official data, just five miles had been built or non-existed before. He suggested that Joe Biden would confiscate guns. That's baseless. Biden is running on a non-mandatory buyback of so-called assault weapons. He said Democrats want to defund the police. Biden, again, doesn't, has rejected that. He said he has, quote, very good information that China wants Biden to win because Biden is soft on China or cheerleads for China. The U.S. intelligence community says China wants Biden to win because it sees Trump as unpredictable. He said Biden vowed to close down charter schools. Biden's plan is skeptical on charters, but would not abolish them entirely. 
He denounced Biden for voting for the Iraq war. Biden did indeed vote for the Iraq war. But what Trump doesn't mention is that he also supported that invasion. He said Democrats twice removed the word God from the Pledge of Allegiance at their convention. Two individual caucus meetings outside the main primetime programming did leave it out, but it was uttered in every primetime event. Trump denounced so-called cancel culture as like an insidious left-wing thing. He, Donald J. Trump, has tried to get dozens of people and entities canceled, fired, boycotted, including literally last week, Goodyear. He said he imposed an order to give 10 years in prison to rioters. That's a maximum discretionary sentence up to judges in existing laws. His order just asked the government to fully enforce. And he said that Biden's plan would eliminate America's borders. No, just no. It's wrong. Oh, that's, uh, that's it? There's more. <laughs> How much time wow. yeah, have more than 20 right. false or misleading claims from the president alone, let alone all the other speakers? You can divide them into categories, I think. There were false claims. Some of them, you can call them lies, uh, about Joe Biden. He said that Biden is talking about taking down the border wall. Biden has specifically rejected that idea. He suggested Biden might confiscate guns. Biden is running on a non-mandatory, a voluntary buyback of so-called assault weapons. He suggested or said Biden would entirely eliminate America's borders. This is just complete nonsense. He again suggested Biden wants to defund the police. Biden has explicitly rejected that. I think another category of, of falsehood, dishonesty, lying was, was Trump's own supposed accomplishments. So he again claimed that he is the one who got that Veterans Choice Law signed. Barack Obama signed it in 2014. He claimed that he is partly responsible for the first NATO member spending increase in about 20 years. Spending was increasing in 2015 and 2016 before he took office. He again ludicrously claimed that he has done more for the African-American community than any president since Lincoln. Uh, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. He can talk about other presidents as well. And I think the third important category, guys, is his attempts to rewrite the history of the coronavirus pandemic. So not only did he describe the, the fatally flawed testing, testing system as a smashing success, he also touted what he called a record job gain of nine million over the past three months. He didn't mention at all, not a hint of a mention, that this gain follows a record 22 million job loss over the previous two months. We're still in the hole of 13 million. So there's just so much wrong here. And we hear this from Trump at rallies when he's off script. I think it's notable tonight that a lot of it was in the text. This was pre-written, pre-scripted dishonesty. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Yes, well, that was the that was a fact. Uh, so we're about to hear some of the, what Trump said in the speech. I, I got to before we play. Uh, we had a I think we had a caller here, but Lloyd, what's your take on on some of the? Let me see. Let me screen some calls here. And Lloyd, go on, what was your take on on what we just heard? Well, right off the top of my head, I can tell you straight up that thing about the corona. The, the, the he didn't have to tell me, and neither did the guy that was doing the fact checking. Already knew that that man was really late in coming around. He completely dismissed Fauci. He was coming up with Clorox, vinegar, uh, uh, shoot it up, drink it, all yeah. kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, no, I mean it might sound funny, but no, but he was saying but he was stuff coming like up that. With ice or stuff instead of basic remedies. You know what I mean? He was coming up with crazy. Say it again. He was coming up with some crazy stuff like Clorox instead yeah, of yeah, he, he, yeah. So, I mean, do they really? And I just that was just one particular. By the way, Amanda's still here. Amanda, no, I am not making this up. 
This is real. I'm still here, dog. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, you can Google that. That man was talking about uh, uh, homemade remedies to get rid of COVID. He mentioned bleach and 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 and, and shooting up bleach and gargling and drinking and. Well, he, was, he, was talking, he was talking about um, shooting up Lysol. That's what he was talking about. Shooting up Lysol. And also, the funny, the funny one was the funny one was exposing the body to ultraviolet light through the skin that, or help. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes, we heard about that, yeah. Yes, or however else might get the ultralight into the body from the outside. I'm thinking to myself. But what my thing is, what can a light do? Are you really serious? Yeah. No, he was serious. Don't, listen. Oh, he was serious. 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 Anyway, (laughs) we're going to go ahead now. What we're going to do is we're going to um, play this bunch of Trump's speech almost its entirety. We did edit that, but it's going to go on for a while. But what uh, we need to know and what I heard and read and verified was that Donald Trump, I don't know if you knew this, uh, the listeners around the world, but our president has an affinity for uh, Chile. He loves Chile. And he happened to have quite a bit of Chile. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say that again. Wait a minute, I wanted to make sure you you said he loves Chile. C-H-I-L-I. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even make cool. sure he said that. He also loves Creole cooking, New Orleans. You know, he loves that spicy food. So last night, he didn't go yeah, on. Long, yeah, as long as, it, as long as there's so, black people making it, I guess he does. Yeah, yeah, he went on, he went on uh, after having uh, some delicious homemade chili. Somebody sent him last night for dinner. And then he had to get up and give the speech anyway. But he managed to pull through. But you can see his discomfort. But uh, I just want to, you know, if he seems Gathered here at our beautiful and majestic White House, known all over the world as the People's House, we cannot help but marvel at the miracle that is our great American story. This has been the home of larger-than-life figures like Teddy Roosevelt and Andrew Jackson, who rallied Americans to bold visions of a bigger and brighter future. Within these walls lived tenacious generals like President Grant and Eisenhower, who led our soldiers in the cause of freedom. From these grounds, Thomas Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark on a daring expedition to cross a wild and uncharted continent. In the depths of a bloody civil war, President Abraham Lincoln looked out these very windows upon a half-completed Washington Monument and asked God in his providence to save our nation. Two weeks after Pearl Harbor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt welcomed Winston Churchill. And just inside, they set our people on a course to victory in the Second World War. In recent months, our nation and the entire planet has been struck by a new and powerful, invisible enemy. 
Like those brave Americans before us, we are meeting this challenge. We are delivering life-saving therapies and will produce a vaccine before the end of the year or maybe even sooner. This is the most important election in the history of our country. Thank you. At no time before have voters faced a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas. This election will decide whether we save the American dream or whether we allow a socialist agenda to demolish our cherished destiny. It will decide whether we rapidly create millions of high-paying jobs or whether we crush our industries and send millions of these jobs overseas, as has foolishly been done for many decades. Your vote will decide whether we protect law-abiding Americans or whether we give free reign to violent anarchists and agitators and criminals who threaten our citizens. And this election will decide whether we will defend the American way of life or whether we will allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. That won't happen. At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight, I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? In the left's backward view, they do not see America as the most free, just, and exceptional nation on Earth. Instead, they see a wicked nation that must be punished for its sins. Our opponents say that redemption for you can only come from giving power to them. This is a tired anthem spoken by every repressive movement throughout history. But in this country, we don't look to career politicians for salvation. In America, we don't turn to government to restore our souls. We put our faith in Almighty God. Joe Biden is not a savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of American greatness. 
For 47 years, Joe Biden took the donations of blue-collar workers, gave them hugs and even kisses. And told them he felt their pain and that he flew back to Washington and voted to ship our jobs to China and many other distant lands. Joe Biden spent his entire career outsourcing their dreams and the dreams of American workers, offshoring their jobs, opening their borders, and sending their sons and daughters to fight in endless foreign wars, wars that never ended. Four years ago, I ran for president because I could not watch this betrayal of our country any longer. I could not sit by as career politicians let other countries take advantage of us on trade, borders, foreign policy, and national defense. Our NATO partners, as an example, were very far behind in their defense payments. But at my strong urging, they agreed to pay $130 billion more a year, the first time in over 20 years that they upped their payments. And this $130 billion will ultimately go to $400 billion a year. And Secretary General Stoltenberg, who heads NATO, was amazed after watching for so many years and said that President Trump did what no one else was able to do. Thank you. From the moment I left my former life behind, and it was a good life. I have done nothing but fight for you. I did what our political establishment never expected and could never forgive, breaking the cardinal rule of Washington politics. I kept my promise. Together, we have ended the rule of the failed political class, and they are desperate to get their power back by any means necessary. You've seen that. They are angry at me because instead of putting them first, I very simply said, America first. Thank you. Days after taking office, we shocked the Washington establishment and withdrew from the last administration's job-killing Trans-Pacific Partnership. I then immediately approved the Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipelines, ended the unfair and very costly Paris Climate Accord, and secured for the first time 
American energy independence. We passed record-setting tax and regulation cuts at a rate nobody had ever seen before. Within three short years, we built the strongest economy in the history of the world. Washington insiders asked me not to stand up to China. They pleaded with me to let China continue stealing our jobs, ripping us off, and robbing our country blind. But I kept my word to the American people. We took the toughest, boldest, strongest, and hardest-hitting action against China in American history by far. They said that it would be impossible to terminate and replace NAFTA. But again, they were wrong. Earlier this year, I ended the NAFTA nightmare and signed the brand-new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement into law. And right now, auto companies and others are building their plants and factories in America, not firing their employees, and not deserting us for other countries. In perhaps no area did the Washington special interests try harder to stop us than on my policy of pro-American immigration. But I refuse to back down, and today America's borders are more secure than ever before. Thank you. We ended catch and release, stopped asylum fraud, took down human traffickers who prey on women and children. And we have deported 20,000 gang members and 500,000 criminal aliens. We have already built 300 miles of border wall, and we are adding 10 new miles every single week. The wall will soon be complete and it is working beyond our wildest expectations. We are joined this evening by members of the Border Patrol Union, representing our country's courageous border agents. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Brave, brave people. country loves our law enforcement. They do. They do. They really do. Love and respect. When I learned that the Tennessee Valley Authority laid off hundreds of American workers, 
and force them to train their lower-paid foreign replacement. I promptly removed the chairman of the board, and now those talented American workers have been rehired and are back providing power to Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Virginia. They have their old jobs back, and some are here with us this evening. Please stand. You went through a lot. Please stand. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been through a lot. Thank you very much. Last month, I took on Big Pharma. You think that's easy? Not. And signed orders that will massively lower the cost of your prescription drugs and give critically ill patients access to life-saving cures. We passed the decades long-awaited right to try. Right to try. We also passed VA accountability and VA choice. Our great veterans, we're taking care of our veterans. 91% approval rating this month, the VA, given by our veterans. First time anything like that's ever happened. By the end of my first term, we will have approved more than 300 federal judges, including two great new Supreme Court justices. And to bring prosperity to our forgotten inner cities, we worked hard to pass historic criminal justice reform, prison reform, opportunity zones, and long-term funding of historically black colleges and universities. And before the China virus came in, produced the best unemployment numbers for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans ever recorded. And I say very modestly that I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln, our first Republican president. And I have done more in three years for the black community than Joe Biden has done in 47 years. And when I'm reelected, the best is yet to come.
When I took office, the Middle East was in total chaos. ISIS was rampaging. Iran was on the rise. And the war in Afghanistan had no end in sight. I withdrew from the terrible, one-sided Iran nuclear deal. Unlike many presidents before me, I kept my promise, recognized Israel's true capital, and moved our embassy to Jerusalem. But not only did we talk about it as a future site, we got it built. Rather than spending $1 billion on a new building as planned, we took an already owned existing building in a better location. Real estate deal, right? <laughs> and opened it at a cost of less than $500,000. Many things like that the government is doing right now. We also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. And this month, we achieved the first Middle East peace deal in 25 years. Thank you to UAE. Thank you to Israel. In addition, we obliterated 100% of the ISIS caliphate and killed its founder and leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Then, in a separate operation, we eliminated the world's number one terrorist by far, Qasim Soleimani. Unlike previous administrations, I have kept America out of new wars, and our troops are coming home. We have spent nearly $2.5 trillion on completely rebuilding our military, which was very badly depleted when I took office, as you know. This includes three separate pay raises for our great warriors. We also launched the Space Force the first new branch of the United States military since the Air Force was created almost 75 years ago. We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. He has spent his entire career on the wrong side of history. Biden voted for the NAFTA disaster, the single worst trade deal ever enacted. He supported China's entry 
into the World Trade Organization, one of the greatest economic disasters of all time. After those Biden calamities, the United States lost one in four manufacturing jobs. We laid off workers in Michigan, Ohio, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and many other states. They didn't want to hear Biden's hollow words of empathy. They wanted their jobs back. As Vice President, he supported the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have been a death sentence for the U.S. auto industry. He backed the horrendous South Korea trade deal, which took many jobs from our country, and which I've reversed and made a great deal for our country. He repeatedly supported mass amnesty for illegal immigrants. He voted for the Iraq War. He opposed the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. He opposed killing Soleimani. He oversaw the rise of ISIS and cheered the rise of China as a positive development for America and the world. Some positive development. That's why China supports Joe Biden and desperately wants him to win. I can tell you that upon very good information. China would own our country if Joe Biden got elected. Unlike Biden, I will hold them fully accountable for the tragedy that they caused all over the world, they caused. In recent months, our nation and the world has been hit by the once-in-a-century pandemic that China allowed to spread around the globe. They could have stopped it, but they allowed it to come out. We are grateful to be joined tonight by several of our incredible nurses and first responders. Please stand and accept our profound thanks and gratitude. Americans, including me, have sadly lost friends and cherished loved ones to this horrible disease. As one nation, we mourn, we grieve, and we hold in our hearts forever the memories of all of those lives that have been so tragically taken, so unnecessary. In their honor, we will unite. In their memory, we will overcome. And when the China virus hit, we launched the largest national mobilization since World War II. Invoking the Defense Production Act, we produced the world's largest supply of ventilators. Not a single American who has needed a ventilator has been denied a ventilator, which is a miracle. Good job heading the task force by our great Vice President. Thank you very much, Mike. Please, please stand up. We shipped hundreds of millions of masks, gloves, and gowns to our frontline healthcare workers. To protect our nation's seniors, we rushed supplies, testing kits, and personal to nursing homes, we gave everything you can possibly give, and we're still giving it because we're taking care 
of our senior citizens. The Army Corps of Engineers built field hospitals, and the Navy deployed our great hospital ships. We developed from scratch the largest and most advanced testing system anywhere in the world. America has tested more than every country in Europe put together and more than every nation in the Western Hemisphere combined. Think of that. We have conducted 40 million more tests than the next closest nation, which is India. We developed a wide array of effective treatments, including a powerful antibody treatment known as convalescent plasma. You saw that on Sunday night when we announced it, that will save thousands and thousands of lives. Thanks to advances, we have pioneered the fatality rate. And you look at it, and you look at the numbers, it has been reduced by 80 percent since April, 80 percent. The United States has among the lowest case fatality rates of any major country anywhere in the world. The European Union's case fatality rate is nearly three times higher than ours, but you don't hear that. They don't write about that. They don't want to write about that. They don't want you to know those things. Altogether, the nations of Europe have experienced a 30 percent greater increase in excess mortality than the United States. Think of that. We enacted the largest package of financial relief in American history. Thanks to our Paycheck Protection Program, we have saved or supported more than 50 million American jobs. That's one of the reasons that we're advancing so rapidly with our economy. Great job. As a result, we have seen the smallest economic contraction of any major Western nation, and we are recovering at a much faster rate than anybody. Over the past three months, we have gained over 9 million jobs, and that's a record in the history of our country. Unfortunately, from the beginning, our opponents have shown themselves capable of nothing but a partisan ability to criticize. When I took bold action to issue a travel ban on China, very early indeed. Joe Biden called it hysterical and xenophobic. And then I introduced a ban on Europe very early again. If we had listened to Joe, hundreds of thousands more Americans would have died. Instead of following the science, Joe Biden wants to inflict a painful shutdown on the entire country. His shutdown would inflict unthinkable and lasting harm on our nation's children families, and citizens of all backgrounds. The cost of the Biden shutdown would be measured in increased drug overdoses, depression, alcohol addiction, suicides, heart attacks, economic devastation, job loss, and much more. Joe Biden's plan is not a solution to the virus, but rather it's a surrender to the virus. My administration has a very different approach. To save as many lives as possible, we are focusing on the science, the facts, and the data. We are aggressively sheltering those at highest risk, especially the elderly, while allowing lower-risk Americans to safely return to work and to school. And we want to see so many of those great 
states be open by Democrats. We want them to be open. They have to be open. They have to get back to work. They have to get back to work, and they have to get back to school. Most importantly, we are marshaling America's scientific genius to produce a vaccine in record time. Under Operation Warp Speed, we have three different vaccines in the final stage of trials. Right now, years ahead of what has been achieved before, nobody thought it could ever be done this fast. Normally, it would be years, and we did it in a matter of a few months. We are producing them in advance so that hundreds of millions of doses will be quickly available. We will have a safe and effective vaccine this year, and together, we will crush the virus. At the Democrat convention, you barely heard a word about their agenda. But that's not because they don't have one. It's because their agenda is the most extreme set of proposals ever put forward by a major party nominee. Joe Biden may claim he is an ally of the light, but when it comes to his agenda, Biden wants to keep us completely in the dark. He doesn't have a clue. He has pledged a $4 trillion tax hike on almost all American families, which will totally collapse our rapidly improving economy. And once again, record stock markets that we have right now will also collapse. That means your 401ks. That means all of the stocks that you have. On the other hand, just as I did in my first term, I will cut taxes even further for hardworking moms and dads. I will not raise taxes. I will cut them, and very substantially. And we will also provide tax credits to bring jobs out of China back to America. And we will impose tariffs on any company that leaves America to produce jobs overseas. We will make sure our companies and jobs stay in our country, as I've already been doing for quite some time, if you've noticed. Joe Biden's agenda is made in China. My agenda is made in the USA. Biden has promised to abolish the production of American oil, coal, shale, and natural gas laying waste to the economies of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Colorado, and New Mexico, destroying those states, absolutely destroying those states and others. Millions of jobs will be lost, and energy prices will soar. These same policies led to crippling power outages in California just last week. Everybody saw that. Tremendous power outage. Nobody's seen anything like it, but we saw that last week in California. How can Joe Biden claim to be an ally of the light when his own party can't even keep the lights on? <laughs> Joe Biden's campaign has even published a 110-page policy platform. You can't get away from this. Co-authored with far-left Senator 
crazy Bernie Sanders. The Biden-Bernie manifesto calls for suspending all removals of illegal aliens, implementing nationwide catch-and-release, and providing illegal aliens with free, taxpayer-funded lawyers. Everybody gets a lawyer. Come on over to our country. Everybody has a lawyer. We have a lawyer for you. That's what we need is more lawyers. <laughs> Joe Biden recently raised his hand on the debate stage and promised your giveaway. He was going to give it away, your health care dollars to illegal immigrants, which is going to bring massive numbers of immigrants into our country. Massive numbers will pour into our country in order to get all of the goodies that they want to give, education, health care, everything. He also supports deadly sanctuary cities that protect criminal aliens. He promised to end national security travel bans from jihadist nations, and he pledged to increase refugee admissions by 700%. This is in the manifesto. The Biden plan would eliminate America's borders in the middle of a global pandemic. And he's even talking about taking the wall down. How about that? Biden also vowed to oppose school choice and close all charter schools, ripping away the ladder of opportunity for black and Hispanic children. In a second term, I will expand charter schools and provide school choice to every family in America. And we will always treat our teachers with the tremendous respect that they deserve. Great people. Great, great people. Joe Biden claims he has empathy for the vulnerable. They said, that's just too long as they looked at a statue. I think we'll rip it down. Then they said, 10 years in prison. I think that's too long. Let's go home. During their convention, Joe Biden and his supporters remained completely silent about the rioters and criminals spreading mayhem in Democrat-run cities. They never even mentioned it during their entire convention, never once mentioned. Now they're starting to mention it because their poll numbers are going down like a rock in water. The Democrat Party wants to stand with anarchists, agitators, rioters, looters, and flag burners. That is up to them. But I, as your president, will not be a part of it. The Republican Party will remain the voice of the patriotic heroes who keep America safe and salute the American flag. Last year, over 1,000 African Americans were murdered as a result of violent crime in just four Democrat-run cities. The top 10 most dangerous cities in the country are run by Democrats and have been for many decades. Thousands more African Americans are victim and victims of violent crime in these communities. 
Joe Biden and the left ignore these American victims. I never will. If the radical left takes power, they will apply their disastrous policies to every city, town, and suburb in America. Just imagine if the so-called peaceful demonstrators in the streets were in charge of every lever of power in the U.S. government. Just think of that. Liberal politicians claim to be concerned about the strength of American institutions. But who exactly is attacking them? Who is hiring the radical professors, judges, and prosecutors? Who is trying to abolish immigration enforcement and establish speech codes designed to muzzle dissent? In every case, the attacks on American institutions are being waged by radical left. Always remember, they are coming after me because I am fighting for you. That's what's happening. And it's been going on from before I even got elected. And remember this. They spied on my campaign, and they got caught. Let's see now what happens. We must reclaim our independence from the left's repressive mandates. Americans are exhausted trying to keep up with the latest list of approved words and phrases and the ever more restrictive political decrees. Many things have a different name now, and the rules are constantly changing. The goal of cancel culture is to make decent Americans live in fear of being fired, expelled, shamed, humiliated, and driven from society as we know it. The far left wants to coerce you into saying what you know to be false and scare you out of saying what you know to be true. Very sad. But on November 3rd, you can send them a very thundering message they will never forget. Thank you. Biden is weak. He takes his marching orders from liberal hypocrites who drive their cities into the ground while fleeing far from the scene of the wreckage. These same liberals want to eliminate school choice while they enroll their children in the finest private schools in the land. They want to open our borders while living in Waldorf compounds and communities in the best neighborhoods in the world. They want to defund the police while they have armed guards for themselves. This November, we must turn the page forever on this failed political class. The fact is, I'm here. What's the name of that building?
But I'll say it differently. The fact is, we're here and they're not. To me, one of the most beautiful buildings anywhere in the world, and it's not a building, it's a home, as far as I'm concerned. It's not even a house, it's a home. It's a wonderful place with an incredible history. But it's all because of you. Together, we will write the next chapter of the great American story. Over the next four years, we will make America into the manufacturing superpower of the world. We will expand Opportunity Zones. Thank you, Tim Scott. Bring home our medical supply chains, and we will end our resilience for bad things. We will go right after China. We will not rely on them one bit. We are taking our business out of China. We are bringing it home. We want our business to come home. We will continue to reduce taxes and regulations at levels not seen before. We will create 10 million jobs in the next 10 months. And it'll be higher than that. We will hire more police, increase penalties for assaults on law enforcement, and surge federal prosecutors into high-crime communities. We will ban deadly sanctuary cities and ensure that federal health care is protected for American citizens, not for illegal aliens. We will have strong borders. And I've said for years, without borders, we don't have a country. Don't have a country. Strike down terrorists who threaten our people and keep America out of endless and costly foreign wars. We will appoint prosecutors judges, justices, who believe in enforcing the law, not enforcing their own political agenda, which is illegal. We will ensure equal justice for citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. We will uphold your religious liberty and defend your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. If we don't win, your Second Amendment doesn't have a chance. I can tell you that. I have totally protected it. We will protect Medicare and Social Security. We will always and very strongly protect patients with pre-existing conditions. And that is a pledge from the entire Republican Party. Thank you, Kevin. We will end surprise medical billing require price transparency and further reduce the cost of prescription drugs and health insurance premiums. They're coming way down. We will greatly expand energy development, continuing to remain the number one in the world and keep America energy independent. And for those of you that still drive a car, look how low 
your gasoline bill is. You haven't seen that in a long time. We will win the race to 5G and build the world's best cyber and missile defense already under construction. We will fully restore patriotic education to our schools and always protect. We will always, always protect free speech on college campuses. And we put a very big penalty in. They do anything having to do with your free speech. Colleges have to pay a tremendous, tremendous financial penalty. And again, it's amazing how open they've been lately. We will launch a new age of American ambition in space. America will land the first woman on the moon. And the United States will be the first nation to plant its beautiful flag on Mars. This is the unifying national agenda that will bring our country together. So tonight, I say to all Americans, this is the most important election in the history of our country. There has never been such a difference between two parties or two individuals in ideology, philosophy, or vision than there is right now. Our opponents believe that America is a depraved nation. We want our sons and daughters to know the truth. America is the greatest and most exceptional nation in the history of the world. Our country wasn't built by cancel culture, speech codes, and soul-crushing conformity. We are not a nation of timid spirits. We are a nation of fierce, proud, and independent American patriots. We are a nation of pilgrims, pioneers, adventurers, explorers, and trailblazers who refuse to be tied down, held back, or in any way reined in. Americans have steel in their spines, grit in their souls, and fire in their hearts. There is no one like us on Earth. I want every child in America to know that you are part of the most exciting and incredible adventure in human history. No matter where your family comes from, no matter your background in America, anyone can rise. With hard work, devotion, and drive, you can reach any goal and achieve every ambition. Our American ancestors sailed across the perilous ocean to build a new life on a new continent. They braved the freezing winters, crossed the raging rivers, scaled the rocky peaks, trekked the dangerous forests, and worked from dawn till dusk. These pioneers didn't have money. They didn't have fame. But they had each other. They love their families, they love their country, and they love their God. When opportunity beckoned, they picked up their Bibles, packed up their belongings, climbed into their covered wagons, 
and set out west for the next adventure. Ranchers and miners, cowboys and sheriffs, farmers and settlers, they pressed on past the Mississippi to stake a claim in the wild frontier. Legends were born. Wyatt Earp, Annie Oakley, Davy Crockett, and Buffalo Bill. Americans built their beautiful homesteads on the open range. Soon they had churches and communities, then towns, and with time, great centers of industry and commerce. That is who they were. Americans build their future. We don't tear down our past. We are the nation that won a revolution, toppled tyranny and fascism, and delivered millions into freedom. We laid down the railroads, built the great ships, raised up the skyscrapers, revolutionized industry, and sparked a new age of scientific discovery. We set the trends in art and music, radio and film, sport and literature, and we did it all with style and confidence and flair, because that is who we are. Whenever our way of life was threatened, our heroes answered the call. From Yorktown to Gettysburg, from Normandy to Iwo Jima, American patriots raced into cannon blasts, bullets, and bayonets to rescue American liberty. They had no fear, but America didn't stop there. We looked into the sky and kept pressing onward. We built a six-million-pound rocket and launched it thousands of miles into space. We did it so that two brave patriots could stand tall and salute our wondrous American flag planted on the face of the moon. For America, nothing is impossible. Over the next four years, we will prove worthy of this magnificent legacy. We will reach stunning new heights, and we will show that the world, for America, there is a dream, and it is not beyond your reach. Together, we are unstoppable. Together, we are unbeatable. Because together, we are the proud citizens of the United States of America. And on November 3rd, we will make America safer. We will make America stronger. We will make America prouder. And we will make America greater than ever before. I am very, very proud to be the nominee of the Republican Party. I love you all. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you. Okay, folks, we've heard that had all this segment on I can't stand. I can't take anymore. Uh, Me neither. I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. 
I have had some people call in listening that want to get one to screen and listen to the show, and you're welcome to do so. 515-605-9888. I want to talk about a few things uh, in the time that we have, um, and uh, you know, get diving into some back uh, check just so you know a little bit further that uh, Trump said that he was going down to uh, to Louisiana. Uh, over the weekend, but actually he is going to go to New Hampshire, where he's going to be holding a oh, rally. He is, he's, yeah, he's, he going, he's, he's going, going down there, huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. he's, he's going. He's going to go. He's going to go, but yeah. not before going yeah, to yeah, yeah. New Hampshire. He's going uh, down there after get washed away. He's going to go. <laughs> he's going to be uh, holding a rally in an airport uh, airplane hangar in New Hampshire, in which President Pence also plans to campaign, hoping to build momentum from this week's Republican convention. They did get a bump, you know.
extent of what the Democrats said in various ways, what the rhetoric was during their convention. They didn't give any exact plans or details, but here's what's happening. Here's, you know, we don't have to, to tell you, look around, put on the TV, you know, listen to the radio. They don't even have to do that. I mean, everything mm-hmm. you just said, he's already left a track record. I mean, just take a look at what he did in Atlantic City and in New York. That's all. I mean, that's more yeah. than enough. And, and which is probably what he. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. You're right. And just what you're saying here, you know, he, um, he said, I forget what his words are, but you, you know, you remember uh, he's talking about if the Democrats come in, there's the say goodbye. Is the whole country's going to be socialist? And, and they've repeated that throughout the Republican National Convention from the campaign advisors, former ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, from her speech. Uh, and in fact, the, uh, the socialist, what they call the S word, that's a naughty word, that's a naughty word, um, has been leveled against Democrats for decades. Democrats are socialists. Uh, but Democrats' uh, propensity to lean toward regulation and power in the federal government isn't actually a socialist political system. It's not. Because where the state in the country uniformly provides welfare, am I right or wrong? Uh, healthcare, right or wrong? Uh, large sections of the economy, right or wrong? Isn't isn't the country really the largest business in the country itself? So what do you mean socialist? Mm. We are, we're not. This you know you you can start a business and become a billionaire and it's not that easy. Yeah. You can do it. But, so this is a capital. We have this the ability to do that in this country, and we're the only. Countries or others where you can do that, but we, we had that freedom. Uh, but you're going to pay yearly for taxes, which you go and better. Andy, we have six minutes. Do we have any callers? Uh, no, just the listeners. No callers. We have some folks. Oh, hi, listeners. How you doing? Hey, guys. <laughs> you, hey, guys. You, you said just listen. That's good because maybe after this whole thing, they were riveted when we first came on, which is why I do my rant. And then after this, it was all downhill with, with him. But listen, I'm going to say one thing, and this is me, and I've always said this. Um, we, I'm not, I'm not a, a big fan of Biden, but it's the lesser of two evils. But on the serious tip, on the serious tip, I want to say this before we sign off. This is me, again, personally. It has nothing to do with uh, you, Andy, with you, uh, Cornell, or, or Amanda. I am very afraid at what's going to happen uh, within the next few weeks uh, leading up to the third because we, I mean, schools are not going to start. We're still having problems with with riots and law enforcement and racism and all of that. I can respect that. I can respect that. I'm sorry, say it again. I can respect that. I feel the same. I'm, 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 I'm afraid because can you imagine this? And you probably didn't uh, realize this, uh, Amanda, but you can go to history. Andy, I think what's going to happen, and, and, and consider what I'm saying, and we'll archive this. I think we're going to have a rough uh, uh, party, the whole thing, the Democrat, the Republican, this whole thing. And it's going to resemble what happened in Chicago when the Army had to be used and, and a few people were a few people were killed. They were murdered. Um I mean, this so sounds bad. You think bad. it's going to be chaotic? You think it's going to be chaotic? I, you really I, think it's going to be chaotic? I really think so. I, okay. I really think so. Regardless of who wins, regardless of who wins, because if if Biden wins, th- this 
this this man is going to listen. The country is already is already fractured to the point when the law enforcement is killing people and law enforcement is beating up white people. So if this man if this man loses and he doesn't leave, uh, we already have anarchy. Mm. Uh, anarchy. It's going to get worse. If Biden wins, it's 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 going to be, going to be bad because people are going to think that the, the whole thing was taken by, and and we're going to have to be careful. Literally, I mean, we got to be careful now walking the streets. It's going to be even worse. It's going to be it's, it's going to get worse. Here's what I was saying earlier: the international uh, order, and we have that. Uh, oh, that's a, I think I did yesterday, but I want to welcome aboard South Africa is now tuned into uh, to uh, a coast to coast show. I want to listen. Hey. South Africa. Uh, but How you doing? And I, and I agree with what you're saying, boy. It's going to be, uh, you know, we got to, you know, going to have to cross our fingers to an extent uh, and do our best as citizens and, and, and create. If the transition happens, it's going to be peaceful. It's up to us. You know, it's up. We're, we, we're the folks who live here. We're the, we're the folks who make things happen. Um, yeah, it, it, the normal because we are part we are part percentage of the normal, but it's people that's very ignorant out there that don't care. Exactly. So, um, and um, I, I I hope that's not the case. And I kind of agree with all of you, in particular what you just said. It's, yeah. it's this is this is funky. It is. This is, this is, is really messed here, up. Here, here's a list. I, I had to look this up while you're talking, and I, I looked this up real quick. Um, here's the list of. Um, of the international organizations we've pulled out of. And remember, uh, Trump signaled early that he has little use for international order. He's pretty much said that or, or repeatedly. And that both Republican and Democrat presidents, he said this, spent decades assembling after World War II, all, all the things they put together, and all the international orders well, and agreements, uh, right? So, so well, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to get off, Andy. We have one minute and 54 seconds. Let me get this list out okay. of here. He has pursued his American first foreign policy with gusto. Here's what he's done. He's withdrawn from the Asia. We can go over two on the after show. He has withdrawn okay. from the Asia-Pacific Trade Agreement, the Paris Climate Accord, the Iran nuclear deal, the World Health Organization. He's questioned the value of NATO. He sought to undermine the World Trade Organization. And he usually says he wants to be better. But in most cases, the rest of the world, as I just said, Simply is moving on, leaving the U.S. increasingly isolated as time moves on here until we withdraw from most of these agreements. And when the administration asked the U.S. Security Council to reimpose sanctions in Iran this month, the Dominican Republic was the only country to side with the United States in the whole world. That was it. Here we are, folks. Welcome to America. Anyway, all right, I'm done. Love you guys. <laughs> Love you. Appreciate you, guys. Amanda, thank you for coming on the show. Lloyd, thank you for coming oh, on the pleasure. show. And my main man, Andy. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Everybody, the weekend off. Yeah, yeah, the weekend off. And we go back to regular programming next week. Yes. Monday, 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 Monday. Have a real good weekend. And thanks for tuning in.